Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. My first radio broadcast of 2021. And Melissa, we got it started off with a bang. I, I hit the news right when I was supposed to hit it. Your your newscast yes. was exactly the proper time. We are one for one in 2021. <laughs> well, it was funny. I was laughing because you said when you've been gone for over a week, the computer forgets who you are. Yep, yep, all right. the buttons forget who you are. So, uh, But we're, we're back into the swing we of got things. It. We got so it rolling. I, I just, for, for, people, <laughs> for those people in authority who are keeping track of that, I, I just... I, I, that might be the only time in 2021 that I hit all the spots exactly when yes. we're supposed to. It's amazing. But we we did. So that's it. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, yeah, it's 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 the it's the little things. Um, all right, the the, the break is over. Um, we are all back to to nine to five, or in my case, kind of twelve to three. But a lot of stuff is going on. I am so delighted to have you with us. And I tell you, we do not go gently into the new year. If you thought political correctness maybe had kind of jumped the shark uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> if if anything it's going to get a lot worse the house of representatives under nancy pelosi has now apparently passed a, a style book which removes all gender uh, uh, any gender related term except those that are general gender neutral. So in other words, if you want to be using the phrase, I don't know, men, no, 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 you, you don't say that. You, you don't say women. You don't do any of those things that might tend to, again, indicate that we're doing things that um, refer to people by their gender. So gender terms like father, daughter, mother, and son are now eliminated in the House rules for the 117th Congress. That, of course, was cheered by the progressives in the House, um, people who are, in fact, husbands and brothers and sons. Uh, they didn't necessarily react in the same way. But if you want to see how all this plays out, I, I absolutely love the story. So what happens is... You have the House of Representatives that convenes on Sunday for the purpose of swearing in everybody for the the new session. And what they do is um, uh, there's a Democratic representative named Emanuel Cleaver from Missouri, and he's tasked with the responsibility for for giving the opening prayer. All right. So he he gives about a a two minute prayer and that that's all well and good. But what's getting all the attention, by the way, he is an an ordained United Methodist minister. Okay, so that's fine. So he starts off giving his speech. um, May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace, peace in our families peace across this land, and I dare, and dare I ask, O oh Lord, peace even in this chamber. We ask this in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names and many different faiths. And then he concludes by saying, Amen and a woman. <laughs> Amen and a woman. And, of course, he is doing this because, again, he wants to be compliant with the the non-gender specific rules and we don't want to single anything out and we don't want females to be left out of this prayer because prayers typically end by saying amen and some people applaud this oh isn't this wonderful all right here's the 
the problem with this, and it demonstrates sometimes the rush to political correctness and how quickly it devolves into absolute, what's the word I'm looking for, stupidity. Amen is not a gender term at all. The, the, The word amen originally comes from, you know, Hebrew scripture, and it means truth. It was subsequently adopted in in the Bible, and it's the Latin. And amen in in Latin means let it be so. So whether it's the original Hebrew, the truth, or whether it's the Latin, let it be so, amen has has no connotation to men or women at all. And you've got the guy who starts off the Congress by apparently not realizing that, and launching into it, and he's a Methodist, United Methodist minister. Again, I, I mean, who cares in the big picture, given all the stuff that's going on, except, again, it demonstrates in this rush to political correctness, you're going to have people doing all sorts of stuff, which is just flat-out stupid, in order to, I don't know, make themselves feel better or make other people feel better. Bottom line is, if you are a churchgoer, You should not feel guilty. You should not feel you are discriminating. You should not feel you are being misogynistic. You should not feel you are sexist if you close your prayers by saying amen because it has nothing to do with gender. All right. The big news, or one of the big stories, is starting, what, on Wednesday, the House of Representatives and the Senate are going to convene. The purpose of this is simply the mechanical process of approving the count of the electors and the electoral college vote from the various states. So Wisconsin has the electors have already cast their votes, 10 votes for Joe Biden. All right, that that's cast. The way the structure is set up is it is supposed to be simply, all right, they report Wisconsin has cast 10 votes for Joe Biden. Uh, Iowa has cast X number of votes for Donald Trump. You add them up, they report. The total is Joe Biden, 306 electoral votes. Donald Trump, you know, however many votes he ended up getting. And the role of Congress is simply to acknowledge that that count is accurate. You have a handful of legislators. And unfortunately, Ron Johnson, the U.S. Senator from Wisconsin, who I've always considered to be a friend, somebody I've supported over the years, he is one of what appears to be 11 U.S. Senators who are going to be objecting to the certification of the election because he wants to have an emergency 10-day session investigating fraud. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, as as with other examples, Senator Johnson has been unable to give any specific examples of fraud, for example, in the Wisconsin tally. In this particular situation, you have over 50 lawsuits that have been filed. Courts have ruled on the state level, not in Wisconsin necessarily, in Wisconsin and other um, states, and on the federal level, that there is no evidence of any sort of widespread voter fraud that has been proven, which would cause these results to be called into question. I understand that President Trump has refused to accept that. And now you have a handful of these diehard Republicans, 11 in the Senate, a handful in the House, who are apparently insisting on debating this and having an ultimate vote. What they want to do is essentially have the the results delayed so you can have an emergency investigation for 10 days. 
855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In 2000, 2004, and 2016, a handful of what I think could fairly be described as the kook fringe of the Democratic Party tried this tactic. They were, they were mocked. It went absolutely nowhere, and it got no widespread support. In 2021, you have Republicans that are doing the same thing. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My question to Senator Johnson and the, the other little cabal of people with him is, have you lost your mind? At some point in time, do you realize the damage that you are doing to future elections? I have no problem. If over the course of the next year or two years, you want to have states or the federal government start to investigate election practices and figure out if we can come up with better election practices. But the idea that we are going to somehow alter the results of the election at this point in time, I think is ridiculous. And I think candidly, Senator Johnson and the people with him clown themselves by doing this. And I take no pride in saying that, by the way. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All this does is, I think, pander to the, the real fringe, in this case of the Republican Party, just like when Maxine Waters tried to do this in 2016, she was trying to pander to the extreme left wing of her party. And candidly, from a perspective of conservatives, you know, do, do, do you want to be aligned with the same sort of tactics that people like Maxine Waters used four years ago? 855-616-1620. My answer would be, I hope not. We discuss in a moment. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Look, and on issues like this, you, you, you can't be dumb. I, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't have your own set of facts. Here, I got the, Jeff, Ron Johnson has brought up a list of election laws that were broken in Wisconsin. Let me stop this. First of all, there's been no court that has found that a single election law was broken in Wisconsin. Now, there are questions about interpretations that the elections board did. Should you have allowed people to vote at the democracy in the park? But so far, no court has said that there was any laws that were broken. Also, when the Democratic Party contested every Republican presidential election this century, everyone, Jeff, um, Ron Johnson did not talk about turning the elections. He has sensible, serious concerns that election laws are broken. Now, Look, if you want to examine election laws, and again, like I say, move forward for the future, I, I'm all in favor of that. But but this isn't the recipe for that. And, and yes, I understand a handful of the kook fringe of the Democrat Party in 2001 after Bush Gore, in 2005 after George Bush was reelected, and in 2016, a, a handful, the Maxine Waters of, of the party, the kook fringe tried to use these things to to object and they were roundly ridiculed do you really want to align yourself with with these these type of people and and what does this mean moving forward for elections that we're okay every time the party in power loses that you're going to try to use these procedures to subvert the vote of the public and isn't that that scary? And let me ask you, for people who think this is a good idea, one other question. If this were, let's, let us say that President Trump won by a similar margin. You, you reverse a couple of these states, and it's like this, and close elections and things like that. If you had a handful of Democrat senators and congressmen or women who were doing this, 
our phone lines admitted would be jammed with people saying these are kooks they're trying to stage a coup etc etc you know that would be the case you cannot have it both ways let's start with uh, brian and brown deer brian you're on beaver dam you're on wtmj how you doing hi brian love you thank you sir what do you uh, think I'm a, I'm a black man and i i have studied politics for years and I, I've looked at the trends. I've looked at how things go. And I've watched, I've been watching, I've been a, a star supporter of Trump since he got in office. Mm-hmm. I remember back when they had a South Park episode of uh, a character acting like Trump saying that, I don't, you guys, I'm going to do all of this and you guys going to still elect me? I don't want to be elected. Uh, he didn't want to be elected, but be that as it may, something, uh, uh, triggered in the American population that they wanted Trump in office. So they beat Hillary Clinton. Uh, as far as what's going on now, we had the best economy. Everybody was trumpeting the best economy in 50 years, best economy for blacks in for forever. And then all of a sudden, he gets gets hit with the COVID. Yep. And the entire process, the entire four or three years, all Democrats have been doing is trying to get this man out of office. Yep, I agree I with everything that, you're saying. As, 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 as a Republican, we should do four years of getting to the bottom of what happened in this election. You, I've heard on the Sean Hannity show and several shows people trying to testify, saying that people were, were making up ballots, were, were bringing duffel bags of ballots in, in, in secret at night, overnight. This is complete fraud. Well, Brian, thanks for the call. But here, here's the problem with all that. There, there's no evidence of, of that. You, you have we, you had over 50 lawsuits and there's all sorts of allegations that are, are thrown around. And then when, when people say, OK, where is the proof of this? It's well, humana, 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 humana. You know, we we have this videotape of this thing in Georgia. Well, that turns out not to be true. You've got President Trump saying, I, I, I heard there were thousands of dead people who voted in Georgia. And the secretary of state says, well, we conducted this entire investigation and we, we found we found two. And, and again, the, the problem is I the Georgia Secretary of State, for example, was on TV yesterday, and, and his phrase was, it's sort of like the whack-a-mole when it comes to uh, election fraud stuff. Here, you know, we, we, this happened, and then you say, well, no, that's, that's, that really didn't happen, or it's not a problem, or whatever. Okay, we, we've whacked that mole, then it's going to pop up somewhere else. Look, I, I have no problem with trying to make sure elections are fair. I'm just saying at this point in time, since November, this election has been, I would argue, more scrutinized than any election in in American history, especially given the time frame, and and it all comes to nothing. Now, if again, if you want to move forward and you want to say, are there things that we need to do to tighten up the process, that's fine. But trying to object at this point in time, if it were to succeed, and number one, it's not going to succeed, so it's a futile effort. Number two, it makes it look like you have a handful of people who are trying to stage a coup. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Happy New Year. Hi. Same to you, sir. I think, thank you. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, and you've been saying this on your show for several weeks now. Evidence. Um, I voted for Trump both times. I'm a Republican, and I'm proud to say it. Um, but and I, you know, held out hope. And But when Bill Barr came out and said... He found no evidence of yeah. voter fraud, widespread voter fraud. That was it for me. And I take no pleasure in saying that because no. I wanted Trump to win. Yeah. Um, what's happened over you know the last 
especially what happened over the weekend with what came out with the conversation he had with the person in Georgia, I'm reassessing that uh, feeling or that uh, right. hope. But um, either way, um, the evidence is what's lacking. And if there was, I'd say yes, continue to investigate. Bill Barr, who I don't think he had any axe to grind. I know him and Trump had sort no. of falling out, but no, this is the co- this is a conservative attorney general. No, th- th- you're right. I mean, see, and that's that that's the thing. I I, I keep hearing this. Oh, there's this theory. There's that theory, and. and and there's no proof that you have widespread voter fraud. Okay, in Wisconsin, yes, you have the one woman who voted for her dead partner. Okay, she's been caught, she's been prosecuted. In Georgia, they found ballots submitted by two people who have died. I, I'm not denying that you're going to find examples of this here and there, but but the idea that you're going to find this widespread and rampant stuff. Here's a text. Jeff, give me a break. You liberals on WTMJ have been against Trump since whatever. <laughs> just I, I, my, if you would get a, a meeting of liberals and you would mention my name, trust me, trust me, I, I'm not going to be invited to this particular party. I'm just saying that you you can't have your own set of facts, and and what you have now is a rift in the Republican Party developing because you have I think the majority of the party who recognizes that even though they're not necessarily happy with the results of the election, this is how the election turned out. And by the way. That, uh, Republicans did really, really well, you know, in races other than the presidency. So, I mean, that that's it. If, if this was a fraudulent election, I'm telling you, it wasn't done very well because you would have thought that you would have had Democrats that would have swept all over. But but you have this rift that's developing between Republicans who are disappointed at the outcome of the presidential race, but recognize it is what it is, versus a, a, a narrowing number of people of hardcores who just, in my opinion, refuse to accept the reality. And all it does is create this this distraction that candidly might hurt Republicans in Georgia. We'll talk about that later. This is Jeff Wagner back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, now I, I want to give you a perspective on this because uh, since the program started, probably in the neighborhood of 100 texts on, on the, the issue of what's going to go on on Wednesday, and, and, and I haven't shared the vast majority of them, probably 90%, that say, Jeff, you're absolutely right. It's unfortunate that Ron Johnson has you know, aligned himself with this, and I've, I've kind of concentrated on the, the relative handful that, that take the opposite position just because I think it makes for an interesting discussion. But the tone of some of these is, Jeff, you, you've just, I don't understand what's happened. You've been brainwashed. you become this huge liberal because you don't realize that the election was stolen from Donald Trump, and we need to do everything we can to make sure that he continues to be in, in power. All right, and, and so for, for people who, who think that and think that I've just completely, you know, gone over to the, the left, I, I, if I have, I, I'm in good company. Let me just share a couple things with you. I have had the pleasure of meeting lots of people in politics on the left and right over the last 30 years. And some of them, well, they're, they're kind of, they're nice people, but they're kind of hacks. And some of them are smart, but they're not nice people. And then every once in a while, you, you find the real thing. And Paul Ryan, Former congressman from the the Janesville area, former speaker of the House of Representatives, former candidate for vice president. Paul Ryan is the real thing. I, I, I met Paul first when he was first running for Congress, and he's one of these guys that he 
you walk into the room and he is the smartest guy in any room he walks into. But the really cool thing is he doesn't carry himself like he's the smartest guy. Sometimes you run into people that really are smart, but you know it's kind of off-putting because they let you know how smart they are. Ryan is really, really smart. He is the real thing, and he, he's what I would call like a principled sort of conservative. Okay, can we agree with that? All right, well, Paul Ryan comes out with a statement over the weekend, and, and here's what he says. Efforts to reject the votes of the Electoral College and so doubt about Joe Biden's victory strike at the foundation of our republic. Okay, this isn't the daily costs. This is this you know, this is an MSNBC. This is Paul Ryan. He says it's difficult to conceive of a more anti democratic and anti conservative act than a federal intervention to overturn the results of state certified elections and disenfranchise millions of Americans. The fact that this effort will fail does not mean it will not do significant damage to American democracy. The Trump campaign had ample opportunity to challenge election results, and those efforts failed from lack of evidence. The legal process was exhausted and the results were decisively confirmed. The Department of Justice, too, found no basis for overturning the results. If states wish to reform their processes for future elections, that is their prerogative. But Joe Biden's, Biden's victory is entirely legitimate. Okay, that's, that's not Rachel Maddow. That's Paul Ryan. And I guess that's the point I'm making. All right. Well, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which is one of the few conservative editorial voices in this country. I mean, typically you get the stuff from the the Washington Post. You get the liberal spin from the New York Times that to the extent that the local newspaper still does editorials that they have the liberal spin. But here's what the Wall Street Journal writes about this. The headline is the election rejectionists. The GOP stunt over the Electoral College will hurt the country and the party. Um, It starts, as Americans like to tell the world, a hallmark of democracy is the willingness to accept defeat and the peaceful transfer of power. The tragedy of the last two presidential elections has been the refusal of partisans to accept defeat and public trust in American self-government is eroding as a result. Democrats in 2016 abused the FBI to push the Russia collusion myth and refused to accept Donald Trump's legitimacy. Hillary Clinton still doesn't. Now some Republicans are returning the disfavor by challenging the ritual counting of the Electoral College votes by the new Congress this week. Neither one justifies the other, and these columns have called out Democrats for their anti-democratic panic attack. You know, it goes on to say, but the main issue now is that too many Republicans refuse to accept Mr. Trump's defeat. More than 100 House members, and as of this weekend, at least 12 senators, say they will formally object to the Electoral College count. This won't change the result, though it will delay it as Congress spends up to two hours debating the objections to each state's results. More corrosive will be the precedent and resulting political damage. The leading culprit here is Mr. Trump, who, as always, refuses to accept responsibility for defeat. Recall that he had also claimed the Iowa caucus result was stolen in 2016 when he lost to Ted Cruz. He's now spinning conspiracy theories and election falsehoods daily on Twitter. He doesn't seem to care what damage he does in promoting the myth of his victory. The damage is spreading as Mr. Trump puts pressure on other Republicans to take up his lost 
cause. A dozen senators have issued a statement demanding an electoral commission that would investigate claims of fraud and report within 10 days. The plan is to persuade state legislatures to overrule their December 14th electoral, electoral college certifications for Joe Biden, throw the election into the House, and Mr. Trump might salvage a second term. Note that the senators in their statement don't allege specific acts of fraud. Instead, they cite allegations of fraud and irregularities that feed deep distrust of the results, distrust they and the president are feeding. The courts have rejected every Trump campaign attempt to intervene in state results, often by judges appointed by the president. Mr. Trump's lawyers make charges in public that they won't even bring to court because perhaps they know there are penalties for speaking falsely before judges. It goes on and on, but you get the idea. Bottom line of this is, and this is the disappointing thing for me for Senator Johnson, this is not a club that you want to be a part of. Now, I understand, again, we can go in and we can talk about, do we need to look at how we conduct elections? I think at some point in time, it's going to you're going to have the appropriate case that gets to the Supreme Court, and, and we'll decide whether or not you can have, whether or not you need to fill out a second form when you early absentee vote. We're, we'll, we'll get into a situation where, yes, maybe you have an electoral ruling on whether things like democracy in the park, where you return the ballots in a public place, whether that's legal or not. My thinking is it is, but I, mean, I could be wrong on that. But at this point in time, the election results aren't going to change. All this does is make it look like there are some members of Congress who are willing to engage in a coup. And that's not good. And like I say, if Democrats were doing this, I know many of you who are supporting acts like the ones that Ron Johnson are taking, you would be calling this program. You would be absolutely incensed this was going on. Look, can the elections be run better? Yes. Has there been any widespread evidence of fraud which stole this election from President Trump? Absolutely not. So what do Republicans do? Well, you go back to the drawing board and you figure out how you're going to win in four years. And by the way, as I said earlier, for people who are complaining about fraud in the presidential election, like I say, if if this was a stolen election, Democrats did a really bad job of it because Republicans picked up seats in the House didn't or at least haven't as of yet lost control of the Senate, although who knows what's going to happen in Georgia tomorrow, partly because of some of the recent antics that are going on that have made those races closer than they perhaps should be. But you you move on. But stunts to try to argue that Joe Biden will not be a legitimate president is not good for the country, just like the stunts that the left pulled to try to discredit Donald Trump back in 2016 were not good for the country either. Okay, when we... Come back. What do we do about the vaccinations? I'll explain. We'll discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Drew, producing the show today and always. Did you watch the Packers-Bears game yesterday? Yeah, I did. It was great. Well, it was a great result. Um, Although, I, I have four people who are texting me this. And I, I really, I don't have a great answer. I know what, did you watch the opening kickoff? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. so the opening kickoff, Mason Crosby kicks off. The ball is bouncing down one of the sidelines. The ball is in bounds. So the ball, if you kick the ball out of bounds on a kickoff, 
the other team, the receiving team, gets the ball at the 40. That's the penalty for kicking the ball out of bounds. Mason Crosby kicks the ball. So it's it, it's not out of bounds. It's rolling down the sideways. It's the sidelines. Matter of fact, it looked like it was going to go out of bounds, but then it takes a bounce, so it's going to be inbounds. So the bear receiver, returner, is running over, and he touches the ball while he is has one foot inbounds and arguably a second foot out of bounds. Now, I thought that meant they get it at the one-yard line. But they, they bring the ball out. They call a penalty on the Packers, and they bring it out to the 40. Did you understand that at all? Uh, I guess the rule sort of makes sense to me once it was fully explained. But in the moment, I was I was thinking, like, LeFleur was a genius for challenging the spot. Uh, I thought it was going to be reversed. And then when it wasn't, I was well. I, confused. I don't understand the rule. I don't understand why the rule make. The, I mean, the rule is apparently since the receiver was standing, the, the, since they found that he had a foot out of bounds, so he's standing with one foot out of bounds. When he touches the ball, it's as if the ball was out of bounds. That makes no sense to me. The ball never went out of bounds. Yeah, if, if that's the rule, I guess that's the rule. Well, then it, it's a stupid it, rule. I, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a stupid rule. So you could. You could, if there's a kick down the sidelines, you, you run out of bounds and then see if you can reach inbounds to touch the ball to get it at the fourth. That makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Yeah, like I said, when, when LaFleur yeah. challenged, I thought this was cut and dry. This was going to be right. done. We, we, you know, we, they, they're at the right. one-yard what, line. What difference does it make where, whether the guy's foot was inbounds or out of bounds when he touches the ball? He, the ball was not out of bounds. It, the rule... I, and I still haven't seen a good explanation for why the rule would be that way. I, I just, I, I don't know, but but all these people saying, can you explain the rule? No. Because, again, it, it makes, it seems to reward, in this case, reward the Bears guy who was thinking it was going to go out of bounds. It didn't. So he runs out of bounds and touches it, and he gets the benefit. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of the, the local local markets like 94.5 ESPN or anything, but nationally, this isn't a story at all, which I find pretty interesting because right off the bat, it was pretty much a controversial play from the beginning. Yeah, and, and of course, the, and again, all, all's well that ends well, but no, I that, the rule made no sense to me at all. But uh, Aaron Rodgers had a great game. Packers end up, you know, um, winning. They get the bye. The road to the Super Bowl runs through Green Bay, Lambeau Field. That's it's all good. It's just flat all good. Are you also aware of the controversy involving Blake Shelton? You know who Blake Shelton is? Uh, yeah, I'm aware, but I don't know the controversy. Okay, well, okay. So here's the deal. You know, you know Blake Shelton, country music superstar. He's engaged to Gwen Stefani, and so um, apparently on, on New Year's Eve. He, he's got he's got some new songs, so he makes an appearance on NBC on New Year's Eve, and and he debuts a, a new song that he's written, and he said he kind of wrote this with Gwen Stefani in mind. I'm not sure what that means, but it, but anyhow, the the song is called Minimum Wage. Okay, that's the song. All right. Well, why would this be controversial? Well, apparently, what happens is there is a line in the chorus to the song Minimum Wage where he he's essentially saying to his lover her love is all he needs in life and and this is the line girl your love can make a man feel rich on minimum wage end quote girl your love can make a man feel rich on minimum wage all right now i i guess i i hear that i i you know the song to me it's it's kind of okay i'm not really a country guy but you know i i listen to that and say all right what, what what's he saying he says well you know you know you can you can 
uh, my you love me and I'm it's going to be great. I don't care whether I have money or not. Your love makes me feel like I'm rich. You can make me feel great on minimum wage. Apparently there has been incredible controversy uh, about this again on Twitter and social media where you have another example of people having way too much time on their hands who are all upset with things like, does anyone else find Blake Shelton's minimum wage song to be incredibly tone deaf to our country's current state? I love his music, but the timing for minimum wage isn't great. With so many people out of work and struggling, the song feels a little tone deaf. I'd like to hear songs that are more personal. What? Is Blake Shelton's minimum wage even for real? Um, how can a dude on minimum wage feel rich because she's a millionaire? Are you working at Home Depot or something? Want to pay my rent? Again, I, I look at this, and it's like, all right, people, it's a song. It's a chorus. It's got a cute little beat to it. If you are offended by this, you desperately, desperately, desperately need to do a three-word thing. Get a life. Minimum wage, now upsetting people. Oh, your, your love makes me feel rich even if I'm on minimum wage. Oh, my gosh, I'm so offended. So for anybody who thought 2021 was going to echo or usher in an era of more understanding and more tolerance and less obsession with political correctness and fewer people who are perpetually offended, sorry, doesn't look like that's going to be the case. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Um, it has been unfortunate how many celebrities, high-profile people have passed away over the course of the last year, in addition to all the other people who have passed away because of the COVID pandemic and just because of other things, including the fact that, you know, people get older and, and they end up dying. Uh, one of the people who passed away in the last couple of days who you, you might not know by name, but you probably know by accomplishment, his name is Jerry Marsden. Jerry Marsden. If I said Jerry Marsden, you probably would have no idea who I'm talking about. But if you came of age in the 60s, you you would know about Jerry and the Pacemakers because Jerry Marsden was the lead singer for a band that actually in its day was more popular than the Beatles. They were both bands that came out of Liverpool, England. Um, and, and Marsden is the guy that's credited with developing what they call the, the Mersey Beat. It's, that's the, the river there. And um, you, you might know a couple of the songs. Um, Ferry Cross the Mersey which was one of their big hits, and then later on, You'll Never Walk Alone, which I think everybody is, is familiar with. Now, they, they had hits with those in Britain and the United States. The, the Beatles, of course, also from Liverpool, the, the Beatles became the worldwide phenomena that, that they were. But again, a, a lot of the tune structures and all were the same, and Jerry and the Pacemakers were really the, the first Mersey Beat you know, band to come out, and he passed away over the weekend at the age of, of 78. But um, again, it's one of these situations where you have somebody who had a just a definitive impact on on pop music, and like I say, Jerry and the Pacemakers never never attained the status and the success and the enduring fame and accomplishment that the Beatles did. But they were there at the time, and these were big competitors. Matter of fact, the um, manager of the Beatles, Brian Epstein, who's given a lot of credit for turning the Beatles into the phenomenon they were, he also he also managed Jerry and the Pacemakers. So in any event, um, Jerry Marsden, one of the first celebrity musical passings of 2021. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about whether or not 
We should change the way we are giving vaccinations. We're going to talk about Chicago teachers not wanting to go back to the classroom. And yes, we will discuss the phone call yesterday between or the over the weekend between the president and the Georgia Secretary of State. Stick around. It's all coming up. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, a lot of discussion about that Packers kickoff play. And, and people, I, people are explaining the, the rule to me. For example, here, here's an interesting text. said, Jeff, um, I, I wanted to help you out with the football rule. Think of it like a pass that is made, and the ball is inbounds, but the receiver is out of bounds. The play is ruled as being out of bounds. All right, I, I, I get it. So it's an incomplete pass. But here was my point. I, I understand that. But but in the case of the kickoff, the receive the returner standing out of bounds is rewarded by touching the ball when he's in bounds because you get the ball on the forty. In in the case of the the pass, the receiver is out of bounds. Okay, it's an inco- it's ruled an incomplete pass. You don't reward the team. For, for doing that, um, I guess in this case, it just seems to me that the returner, by standing out of bounds, is rewarded for that. And somebody was pointing out that the Packers did that once several years ago. And, and that, that may be well and good. I'm just saying it seems like it's a dumb rule to me. But all's well that ends well. Packers ended up with the victory. Okay. The coronavirus vaccine rollout has taken longer than people hoped. The, the, the hope was what that you'd have 10 million people that were vaccinated by the end of the year and you have 2 million or something like that. And there's long lines in different places. People are, are, I was looking at some news clips this morning from Florida, you know, and you have people, you know, over the age of 70 that have been lined up since nine o'clock yesterday morning to get the shots. Uh, the, the, the rollout, it's going to happen. It is in fact happening, but right now it's taking a little bit longer than people would have hoped. One of the things that is being considered in order to get more people vaccinated more quickly is changing the regimen. By that, I mean for the vaccines that have been approved in this country thus far, it's a two-dose process. You get your first shot, and then 30 days later, you get the second shot. And and that's how this stuff was tested. And so when you see the numbers about the 94% effectiveness rate or the 97% efficacy rate or whatever, it's based on two doses spread out over approximately 30 days, right? Because they're not getting the doses out as quickly as possible. People are considering, well, maybe we should change the way we do this. Instead of giving people two doses, meaning you you have to you have to hold back you have to hold back doses of this because you know Jeff gets his shot on on January first, so that means he's going to come in on February second or whatever and get a second shot. Um, that means we have to hold back some of this vaccine for Jeff when he comes back thirty days later. The idea is let's skip the second shot. Let's just take all the this, these vaccines that we were planning to give twice over a 30-day period, and let's just give them once, and that will give us presumably twice as many vaccines that we can give out, and, and we'll administer that, and then at some point in time later, we, we can go back and we can give people the, the second vaccine. Maybe it'll be 60 days, maybe it'll be 90 days, maybe it'll be 120 days, but we can get more people vaccinated more quickly. 
Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, now this idea is being thrown around. There's a piece in the Washington Post today. It's time to consider delaying the second dose of coronavirus vaccine. And again, that that's the idea. If you don't give the second dose, you'll have more of it available to give people more of the first dose. I think this would be a stunningly bad idea. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. First of all, the the way this stuff has been tested and the way you get to the 90-plus percent effectiveness and efficacy rate is by the two doses. It hasn't been tested with just the, the one dose. And who knows? I mean, I, I would assume that one dose of the vaccine is better than nothing. I, I would assume that. But at the same time, if to get that 94 or 95 percent efficiency, you need you need the two doses to just do it with one dose strikes me as number one risky because, you know, people are going to assume that that perhaps they, they have an immunity because they've been vaccinated and that they really don't have because all the testing was done with two doses. That's number one. And, and number two, if you have people that that get the vaccine and then, I don't know, don't get the second shot, and 45 days later or 40 days later, they start getting COVID. To me, that has the potential of undermining all the vaccination process that's out there. Because, look, there's a lot of people, and I know several, who aren't necessarily anti-vaccination people. It's not that they you know, wouldn't have their kids vaccinated for measles or anything, but but they're on the fence. They, they don't know, even though they're in at-risk groups, they don't know if they want to get it. Well, I tell you, for those folks, all they need to see is, well, okay, the, the first batch of people who got it, you know, 30, 45 days later, they're now getting COVID. Well, there's no way I'm going to get the, the vaccination. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Seems to me the answer to this is, is to figure out how to get the doses administered like they're supposed to be administered and how to get that out faster, get the rollout faster, not change the rules of, of the game. It's kind of like if you get a prescription from your doctor and the doctor says, oh, to make that rash go away, you need to take you know, one of these pills, um, one in the morning and one in the evening, and you only take one in the morning and you wonder why the rash doesn't go away. It's because you're not taking them like they were prescribed. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, people are skeptical enough about this vaccine, whether it was rushed through. Why would you suddenly change the way it's being administered differently than the way it was tested? Well, that's kind of, you know, my point. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. How are you, man? I am well, thank you. What do you think of all this? Uh, it's a nightmare. Can we say that? Can I start with that word, nightmare? Okay. Uh, because at this point, for a lot of people that were already on the fence, especially myself, as far as taking the vaccination, so you got grafted. We already know about this, but we're not going on that rapid hole. And then now we have these other instances that are coming out right now as far as how it's being administered as far as the, the second dose, because a lot of people, there again, as far as the follow-up, the contact tracing, as far as, hey, you need to come in and take the second dose so you're vaccinated. Then you have the one for the one dose. And so you can see why a lot of people, such as myself, which, uh, thank God, just like you, I, I, there was no COVID last year. I was fine. My parents are still alive. Everything is good. 
my whole family's good. So what I'm saying is that you're putting more people on the fence of not taking the vaccination because of these instances are being publicized. But what can we do to fix it? The problem is that that we need to not have all these companies get these emergencies, what you call emergency uh, directives uh, from the CDC to say, okay, let's just put this out here. But what do you think about that? Because there's too much going on right now as far as the, they're coming out with these vaccines. Well, I get, can Mark, you tell me I mean, your points on well, that? I think, well, Mark, I mean, here, here's the answer. It's, I don't have problems with the emergency rollout. I, I've said this before. When, when my number comes up, and I'm not in the at-risk group, so I'm not going to push my way to the head of the line, but when my number comes up, I, I'm going to have no problem getting the vaccine. But if I'm going to go through this process, I want to make sure it's, it's going to work. Um, here's a text, Jeff. I saw, um, I saw somebody on Facebook the nation yesterday grilling a doctor about splitting the doses and he firmly pointed out the effectiveness of only single doses is way too low to provide effective immunity yeah and that's see that that's the question the idea that something is better than nothing i don't necessarily buy that i I mean you you, the bottom line is for people to have confidence in this and and by the way for us to get to the the herd immunity that i think we need to kind of get out of this this pandemic problem, what you have to do is you have to pe- get people who are vaccinated in a fashion that is consistent with guaranteeing that they're not going to get sick. Um, Jeff, I'm a pharmacist in Racine. Right now, we're grappling with getting uh, the staff to administer the vaccine. Well, you know, that's, that's one of the other things. I, I think at some point in time, you're going to have to figure out ways to get some of certainly the big national pharmacy change invo- chains involved, the CVSs and, and the Walgreens as well. Jeff, you're correct. There will be complaints from people no matter how you administer the vaccine. Well, look, I understand people are going to complain. My, my point isn't, do I care about people complaining or not? No, but I, I care about this being effective. And if you need, if this stuff has been tested and they say for it to be 94% effective, you, you need two doses. Well, well then, then you got to get the people two doses, and that I appreciate that that means that there's other people who are going to perhaps have to wait longer, and, and that's that's not an ideal situation. But just giving people one dose, if that one dose isn't going to be enough to guarantee that they're not going to get COVID, or you know, okay, well, sorry, that we have to do it the way it's prescribed. And again, think about it like your prescriptions. The doctor says you need to take one of these a day to clear up whatever your problem is, and you decide that you're going to take one every two days and your problem doesn't clear up, all right, have you really accomplished anything? So I, I, I hope we don't change this. I hope we work on trying to, again, the bigger question is, how can we get more of this stuff rolled out? How can we get more of this stuff distributed to people? Why, why is it taking so long? Those are all fair questions, and they're for somebody that has a pay grade a lot higher than mine. I'm just saying I don't think the idea of changing the way the doses are given and moving away from the way the stuff was tested, to me, that makes little or no sense. Forget that. That makes no sense. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. By the way, If you thought the out-of-control violence in Milwaukee was over when 2020 ended, uh, sorry. Uh, First day of 20, or the second day of 2021, two people murdered on 34th and Hampton, a 23-year-old guy and a 23-year-old, 22-year-old woman sitting in, in a car on the street. 
victims of, I, I don't, I would describe it based on what I'm hearing as like an execution style slaying. Police aren't, you know, releasing any details of it, but they're in a car and somebody drives by and just starts shooting. You've got two people dead. Uh, it, it's, it's not though unique, unfortunately, in Wisconsin. Um, story in the Chicago Tribune. And this is one of the things that's just so scary. It's not just the violence that's plaguing urban areas, but it, it's the randomness of this. It got my attention. that The story starts out, we are saddened that this was a child, says family of retired Chicago firefighter after 15-year-old boy charged in fatal attempted carjacking. All right, so here's the deal. 2.30 in the afternoon the other day, you have... Uh, this 15-year-old riding in a black Ford Fusion, and they spot that this man, who's a retired firefighter, um, they, they spot him you know, driving in his vehicle. This is in the south suburbs of Chicago. guy's name was Dwayne Williams. They apparently, um, so he's driving a Jeep Cherokee, all right? And they saw him, they followed him to a shop in, in his neighborhood. They waited for him to come out. And three of them left the car they were in and confronted the 65-year-old man with a gun. He apparently had a gun himself. He pulled out a revolver from his waistband and exchanged gunfire. He was hit once in the abdomen and collapsed. The three got back in their car and sped down the road. Police found him lying on the pavement next to his Jeep. Three types of shell casings were found at the scene. He'd worked at the Chicago Fire Department for more than two decades. Um, the 15-year-old was apparently uh, arrested, and as it turns out, they believe that the 15-year-old was the one who that, that was actually involved in the shooting. Um, but regardless, he was one of three people. There's a 15-year-old kid that is out looking to carjack people at gunpoint. 15-year-old kid looking to carjack people at gunpoint. And I look, I don't know what the answer to all this is, whether it's in Milwaukee or whether it's in Chicago or whether it's in D.C. or whether it's in Baltimore. I don't know what the answer to this is. But I am here to say that violence in urban areas, number one, it's completely out of control, and number two, it's spreading, and number three, the randomness of this. I mean, whether it's, again, they, they still haven't apprehended and probably never will, the people that tried to carjack former Milwaukee County Executive Chris Abley at gunpoint on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock when he's in the heart of Shorewood. So if they can't find that guy, you know, imagine what happens on, on multiple occasions with this stuff going on. But if you've got 15-year-olds that are driving around looking for, in this case, Hey, that's a nice car. We want that car. Or it's a 65-year-old guy. He looks like he's going to be easy pickings. I mean, if, if that's the case for what goes on nowadays, th- there is very little hope for anybody moving forward. So if we thought, you know, uh, 2020 bringing a curtain down on that brings down a curtain on violence, it, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, whether it's in Milwaukee or other urban areas as well. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, this is a smart decision. And oftentimes, when you say NCAA, 
You, you don't put the word smart decision in the same sentence, but this is a smart decision. Last year, of course, the NCAA basket, men's basketball tournament w- was canceled, and the season you know, came to an abrupt end because of the spread of COVID. This year, they're, they're trying to play the, the season. We just had the, the news report at the top of the hour that it's not going it's it's not going without certain problems. For example, the Marquette game against Villanova that was supposed to be on Friday has now been postponed because there's been an outbreak of COVID at, at Villanova. But that's they're they're doing the best they can. Well, the NCAA basketball term is of course a, a big deal. It's a big deal for the schools. It's a big deal for fans. It's a big deal for all of us when we fill out our basketball pools. And the NCAA is trying to figure out ways to make it happen. If you haven't heard, what they announced today is they're going to form their own kind of bubble. The the, the final four was scheduled to be held in Indianapolis at the, the big football stadium, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium. So what the NCAA has said is what we're going to do is all NCAA games are going to be played in and around Indianapolis. Games are going to be played on two courts inside Lucas Oil Stadium. They're going to use Banker's Life Field House, which I think is where the Pacers play. They're going to use uh, Hinkle Field Field House, which is where Butler plays in Indianapolis. They're going to use another Coliseum in Indianapolis. They're going to use Purdue's Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, and they're going to use Assembly Hall in Bloomington. So anyhow, they're going to they're going to have the tournament as they normally would. They're going to bring everybody to Indiana, so it's not a situation where people are traveling all over the country. And the hope is by establishing a bubble like that, they can make sure that the games occur. Don't know if that's going to ultimately work, and I know it's going to be a bummer for people who are hoping to have you know, the NCAA quarterfinals or, or whatever you know, held regional finals, sectional finals you know, held in their area. But given that they haven't been letting people in to see these in the first place, it seems to me that this is a pretty good strategy to follow, and I think the NCAA got it right. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are stories, and then there are stories. And this story out of Aurora Grafton that, that really what broke over over the Christmas holidays, but is still continuing. As a matter of fact, the the pharmacist who is being charged with this, I, I believe they're making his initial appearance is going on as we speak, I, I believe. If you haven't followed the story, the as we were talking about earlier, the, the, these vaccines that, that get rolled out, uh, the rollout has been slower than anticipated. And there's this huge demand that is out there, of course, and the CDC has set up priorities. And, you know, people, frontline healthcare workers and people in nursing homes get first, and then, then each state varies as to who comes next in the priority list. But the bottom line of it is the, the, if you get doses of these these vaccinations, it, it's it's like gold because there is this incredible demand right now and still a huge shortage. So here's what authorities allege happened at the Aurora Medical Center in Grafton. As everybody I think knows, the the thing with the, these doses of vaccines, and it really doesn't matter which were the two major ones that are out there now. You you get they have to be refrigerated. And if you if you if they're not refrigerated, if they're not kept at the proper temperature, they essentially become useless. So what happened is sometime whether it was was Christmas, 
I, I can't tell whether it was Christmas or Christmas Eve or whatever, but a pharmacist, and, and we're finding this out, you know, through, through time. Initially, the reports were there, there was an error, there was a human error, and these the, these vials were, were left out. It now appears that what happened is a, a pharmacist. And the guy, he's had his pharmacy license since 1997. Don't know how long he'd, he'd worked for Aurora, but he's had a pharmacy license for the last 23 years. So this is not some kid. This is not a, a spring chicken or anything like that, spoken from somebody else who's not a spring chicken. What, what the pharmacist apparently did was intentionally remove like 57 vials of this vaccine, each file containing 10 doses. So you've got like 500 plus 570 doses, which are removed from the refrigerator where they're supposed to be kept. They are left out overnight, so they're no longer refrigerated. And then they were returned to the refrigerator. And then ultimately, these these vaccines, um, which now are no good, they were administered to patients. So what what happened is apparently there was a there was a med tech or, or somebody who who discovered the fact that these these vials had been left out and were no good, and they reported it, and they started the investigation. And I don't claim to know all the ins and outs. We'll know more, I think, when the criminal complaint becomes public. But at least according to the charges, what they say is this pharmacist intentionally removed the the, vac- the the doses, the vials, left them overnight, knowing that they would be spoiled. Then they were returned to the refrigerator, and then they were given to people. So can you, can you imagine if you're one of the, I don't know, 500-plus people who got vaccinated, and you get the call saying, um, uh, Mr. Wagner, you know, you know, we got good news and bad news. The, the the good news is that you got that vaccination. The bad news is it turns out that the 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 vaccine that you got has been compromised. And you know, we don't think it's going to hurt you, but we don't know for sure. I mean, I, you, can you imagine? You know what that number one, you, you've you've given bad vaccinate vaccines to five hundred plus patients. That's number one, and and number two. You've you've destroyed 500 plus vaccines in something that is just that, that people are just, you know, trying to do anything they can to possibly get. So the pharmacist has now been arrested. Like I say, there's a um, there, there's a hearing going on now. The value of the vaccines, the doses. Well, that's that, that's about eleven thousand dollars. But it seems to me that that's that's not the biggest issue of this. The biggest issue of the fact is that you have somebody who tampered with medicines and then, number one, destroyed the medicines, and number two, um, had people receiving vaccines or medication that was no longer good. All right, so my question, my question to you is, you be the prosecutor. How big a deal is this? Because, I mean, the state law, I mean, there's all sorts of different laws which are arguably um broken, um, violated here, 57 doses apparently were delivered, actually given, 57 were delivered before 
they found out that the, the stuff was, was ineffective, but they had to scrap all the 500-plus doses of this. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're looking at a number of potential charges that could be brought here, including tampering with medicine, causing um, endangering safety, which is a felony, criminal damage to property, plus a number of other charges as well. 855-616-1620. Nobody knows what the motive of the guy was for doing this. But the question becomes, how big a deal is this? And is this something that you should be pushing for jail time for if you are the prosecutor? Do you put this pharmacist, if in fact he is convicted, if he did this, do you put him in prison? And do you put him in prison for a long time? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Not to mention... You know, all the potential civil liability that's out there for, you know, administering vaccines that are no good to people. But what do you do with the pharmacist? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't mean to be overly simplistic about this, but to me, lock him up, throw away the key. This this type of destruction, and by the way, this is a national story, this type of destruction, to me, deserves again it deserves the maximum penalty it it seriously does because on top of everything else besides taking away the vaccine what you also do is you again contribute to i don't know this distrust that some people in the general public might have about the reliability of the vaccine or the people administering it 855-616-1620 there is absolutely in my opinion no excuse for this i have no sympathy for this pharmacist at all what say you Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Look, if, if this were a mistake, people make mistakes all the time, and that's one calculation. But authorities are saying what happened at the Grafton Aurora Hospital with the, the doses of the vaccine were not a mistake at all. They, they say this now former pharmacist um, intentionally took the vials out of the refrigerator, intentionally left them out overnight, knowing it would render the vaccines useless and make people who received them believe they were vaccinated when they were not. And 57 people actually were vaccinated before they, they caught this this problem and then they had to throw out the other 500 doses. But the, the allegations are this was something that was done intentionally. And a number of people are texting and saying, do you know what the guy's motive was? And so far they, they haven't released a, a motive but th- this wasn't a mistake. Gee, I pulled the stuff out. I-, I left it there. I panicked. I don't think that was it. The theory is this this was an intentional effort to make people who were vaccinated um, believe that they had been vaccinated with a valid vaccine. 855-616-1620. They say throw the book at him. Kathy in Watertown. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I think this absolutely should be taken seriously, and he should... Um, get the maximum penalty on top of there should be some sort of COVID enhancer. This is a pandemic where millions of people have died. And this person just decided to almost play God and decide to take these lives into his own hands. You know, Kathy, the the thing I don't get about this, I don't even understand... What would possess somebody to do this? I mean, see, most crime, you know, you wouldn't do it, but you understand, okay, I, I robbed the store because I needed money. You know, we, we carjacked the car because we, we needed this. We developed this insurance fraud scam because we, we wanted the money. I swear, I don't know what would, 
I don't know what would possibly motivate somebody, especially a licensed pharmacist, to say, I'm going to, number one, destroy all this stuff that's like liquid gold, and number two, I'm going to make sure that people unknowingly are vaccinated with a vaccination that has now been rendered useless. I, I can't even imagine the motive for something like this. A hundred percent. You know, what rational thinking person would do this. It's, it's beyond my thinking, but I absolutely agree with you. Throw the book at him, add three years as an enhancer because it's a worldwide pandemic and he should never practice yeah. as a pharmacist again. Yeah, I th- thanks for I think that, I, at the very least, I think that's a given. number of people are saying, isn't this domestic terrorism? And I guess I'd have to look at the federal statutes to determine that, but it's, it's, I, you know, I, I guess the question becomes, I, I, I hopefully, the, the people that got the vaccinations, that it was, it was just useless. I mean, hopefully that, that's the only consequence, that, that you have to be revaccinated or something like that be, because it's it's useless. Hopefully this isn't something that causes, like, it's not like you, I don't put something in the vaccine that's going to cause some other result. But, but still, in some respects, I guess it's a distinction without a difference. Let's talk to um, Paula. Paula, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Happy New Year, Jeff. Same to you, Paula. Um, Thank you. I think what concerns me a lot about this is that it's not just the flu vaccine. This man is a doctor. He took an oath, and he pulls out this drug, and he knows what he's doing. What's to say you've got some poor person that is just hanging on to life by a drug that this guy could be dispensing, and he decides he doesn't want to give it to him for whatever reason or give him something else. There's a whole lot more going on here. Yeah, well, I, I, right. I, I hope it, at the very least he loses his life. Oh, my God. Well, I, yeah, I think I think I can pretty much guarantee you, Paula, that that's going to be a given. I think the only question is how, how long a prison term do you have? It is interesting. I have a text here. And I, I, one of my... One of my rules is I, I try to stay off social media as much as possible because it just it just makes me dumber. But here's one, Jeff. What gets me the most <laughs> is on social media, which I am not a fan of. Many are portraying the man as a hero. This is totally ridiculous. I just don't get it. Yeah, there, there, there's nothing oh heroic God. about this at all. You know? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. What's the difference in taking? I mean, this man held. Um, he held something in his hands that could make or break, and he took the wrong turn. Right. And I just, I, I think, right, yeah, exactly. Him up, no, you thank, know? no, probably. Yeah. I, that's it, Paul. I mean, see, look, if, if for some reason you, as and he's a farm, I think you might have mentioned he was a doctor. He's, he's a pharmacist, but obviously you have all sorts of special training to be a pharmacist as well. It's hard to do. If if he had a principled objection to administering to the whole vaccine process. Just like, for example, there, there are pharmacists, you might remember the controversy over the years where you had pharmacists who did not want to dispense the morning after pill. Remember that? Because they, they, they thought, okay, this was effectively, they were, they were causing abortions, etc. Didn't matter that it was legal, didn't matter that it was prescribed. Well, and, and so you had some that stood up and said, I'm not going to prescribe, I'm not going to prescribe this. And, and then they ended up having consequences. They were fired. Well, at least in, in cases like that, you have people who are standing up 
saying, I'm not going to fill this prescription because as a matter of, of religious or religion or principle or whatever, I don't feel I can morally or ethically morally fill this prescription. But at least you're, you're disclosing then to the patient that you're not going to do it and you're willing to accept the consequences of your behavior. In this particular case, it, it wasn't like the guy said, and I mean, who I, I have no idea why you wouldn't do that. It's not like the guy said, I, I don't trust these vaccines. I think they're going to be dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. I do not think I, in good conscience, can administer them. All right. It's not like he said that, went to his bosses and said, I, I can't do this. What he did was he destroyed, of course, if the allegations are correct, he destroyed 570 doses of this, didn't disclose it, and then allowed at least 57 people to be, quote unquote, vaccinated with a useless vaccine. No, I'm sorry. There, there's nothing heroic about this at at all. Let's talk to, um, let's see, John on the north side. John, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know, I'm like a, I'm a hypochondriac, you know, and, and it's hard for me to trust medicines and doctors yeah. or what have you. They, they should do like we do in our church. When they count the money, it's always three people there. If it's not three, it goes in the safe and nobody counts it. So I just think it should always be, you know, after this, it should always be two or three people. Yeah. That's, you know, so that can't happen again. You know, I mean, yeah. this guy needs to go to jail, man. It's bad. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. No, I'm, no, thanks to culture. I, it, it is bad. It, it is bad. And, and it, to the, the point that you started off with, you, okay, so you're, you're a hypochondriac. I, I get it. So you, there, there and that's the reality. There, there's all sorts of people out there. And I, I, I have some friends who, like I was saying earlier, they're not anti-vax people. They're, they're, they're not, but they're, uncertain even though they are in what i would determine to be high risk groups for covid they're they're uncertain whether the vaccine is safe they're uncertain whether or not the risks might outweigh the rewards they're uncertain about you know how bad would covid be all those different types of things and and i know they're not alone these are rational smart people and you know they they make these different decisions and they they put all this information in well okay if you add into it the fact that Gee, you know, we're we're not sure about the controls that we had there. And look, this is I, I Aurora Grafton. It's a wonderful facility. Aurora is in general. It's a wonderful facility as well. And, you know, they've got to just be kicking themselves about this. And my guess is that one of the things that come from this is that the, the protocols probably are going to change. And it probably is going to be a little bit more difficult moving forward to, uh, again, get access to this. But at the same time, you know, we're, um, we're, we're talking about the rollouts. We got to get this stuff out there as quickly as we possibly can. You've got to get as many doses administered as possible. And I think one of the things that, that doesn't necessarily occur to some people in the pipeline is that you're going to have pharmacists who've been licensed for for darn near a quarter of the century that you're going to have them decide that they're going to take it upon themselves to start destroying vaccines and if anybody on the internet or anywhere else thinks this guy is a hero your 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 view of heroes is very very screwed up I, like I say, throw, throw the book at him. I mean, certainly he's going to lose his license. But this is one where if, in fact, he did this intentionally, not inadvertently, like a charge, um, it's it's a very, very big deal. And he's got to go to prison. He's got to go to prison for a long time. If nothing else, maybe to act as a, dis- a deterrent to other people who might be inclined to do the same thing. Hopefully there's no one out there. And again, I everybody keeps saying, what's the guy's motive? And I, I got no idea because this one makes no sense to me.
Jeff, I work as a pharmacy technician, and I do want to clarify some things. I think this is a tragedy, but the vaccine is not a controlled substance, so it wouldn't be locked up. I don't know if that will change now. Knee-jerk solutions for one person's actions don't always make sense either. Thank you, sir. No, thank you, sir. Um, So I, I guess I didn't realize that. For some reason, I thought that this was being handled like they would handle regular, I don't know, controlled substances. But apparently this was... I don't know. In a ref- it, 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 they must. It couldn't have just been sitting in a refrigerator, <laughs> sitting in a refrigerator along with like somebody else's lunch. It couldn't have been like that. I, I'm sure it, there was some sort of control on this um, that that was out there. And my guess is that Aurora is going to be looking at increasing the uh, controls moving forward. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about what everybody is talking about. President Trump, in the waning days of his administration, decides to get on the telephone. And, well, I'm not sure if he makes things better or worse and refusing to go back to the classroom. All that's coming up. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, this Aurora story gets weirder and weirder. They, they just finished the initial appearance. And uh, here, here's the way JS Online is reporting it. The pharmacist suspected of intentionally spoiling 500 doses of COVID vaccine uh, because he believed they were unsafe was released from jail Monday after a prosecutor indicated he's not positive the vaccine was actually destroyed. Uh, The district attorney told the judge that the hospital had walked back some of the information that the vials in question had not been destroyed, but are still in the hospital's possession and might even be viable. Okay, so apparently the the question is the hospital originally said all the vaccine had been destroyed. Now they're saying we we might have it, but they say it might even be viable. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I, I, if if I'm in line to get this vaccine, and I find out that there's 500 doses that were sitting around that was supposed to be refrigerated and wasn't for 12 hours, I'm sorry, I'm not a reluctant patient, but I don't want to be the guy getting that vaccine that <laughs> that had been sitting out for 12 hours. Don't worry, it's still okay. You can go ahead, you can eat that fish, even though it's been sitting out there for two days. Go ahead and eat it. You're not going to get sick. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, to me, I, I think it becomes kind of an academic thing if it's supposed to be kept refrigerated, and somebody intentionally takes it out of the refrigerator with the intent to spoil it, and then puts it back twelve hours later. To, to me, I don't want to be the patient that's getting that. Okay, so the story continues. The prosecutor said he's working with Moderna to possibly test the evidence. In other words, I guess, to test whether leaving it out for 12 hours or not destroyed it. If the vaccine is still good, the DA says, the most he could charge the man with would be attempted criminal damage to property, a misdemeanor. I don't know that I agree with that at all. Um, But in any event, while they're doing this investigation, they let the guy free on a signature bond. Uh, The district attorney said the pharmacist had made a full confession to Grafton police that he intentionally tried to ruin the vaccines because he didn't believe they were safe. Uh, The district attorney said the guy had been stressed during an ongoing divorce, which involved child custody issues. Um, He said some of the pharmacist's co-workers told investigators they believed he had brought guns to work at least two times, although they didn't know when that occurred. Uh, Again, I'm... 
I, I, I'm sorry about this, but to me, it is academic, or it should be academic, even as a matter of law, whether or not the stuff was actually damaged. If the, if, if the protocol is you got to keep it refrigerated and you intentionally take it out and render it essentially unusable. I mean, like I say, I, I don't want to be the guy, and I'm not an anti-vax guy. I don't want to be the guy going and getting a shot at Aurora. Hey, is mine one of the 500 doses that was left out? Oh, don't worry, Mr. Wagner. It's okay. Sorry, no, no sympathy for this at all. But this is just a weird, weird story. Speaking of weird, weird stories, President Trump is not going quietly into the good night. Yesterday, or actually Saturday, he, together with several of his advisors, including a prominent lawyer from Milwaukee, get on a conference call, and they call up the Georgia Secretary of State. Now, apparently, people from the the Trump campaign had been calling the Secretary of State on multiple occasions, and he never would never take the calls. His point was that, hey, we're involved in, in litigation. You know, they're, they're suing us. The Trump campaign is suing us. And so I think it would be inappropriate for me to, to take a, a phone call from people that we're kind of in litigation um, with. In any event, yesterday they decided to take the call, and the Georgia Secretary of State was, was not alone. There, was, there were a number of lawyers that were on his end of the call, and there were all sorts of lawyers of President Trump on his end of the call, including, like I say, a relatively prominent Milwaukee attorney. Um, Somebody on the Georgia side of the call decides to make this call public. And I don't think there was any secret that the call was was being recorded or think if if people thought it wasn't being recorded, they, um, they would be delusional. The call lasts about an hour. And I have not listened to the entire hour of the call because it involves it involves a lot of people on the Trump campaign, including the, the president, who are pressuring the Georgia Secretary of State to to try to conduct this criminal investigation. Do that. Do this. Do that. Um, at one point in time, President Trump clearly demands that the Georgia Republican Secretary of State find him enough votes to overturn the presidential election. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, you know, he, he says. And the the Georgia Secretary of State, is, his name is Raffensperger, he, he's, he's just refusing to do this. And the president and other people are saying, well, there's this that happened, that that's that happened. And at one point in time in the recording, the guy says, look, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is, is wrong. And, you know, there's all these different the conspiracies that are out there. The ballots in Fulton County were shredding, shredded voting machines operated by Dominion voting systems were tampered with and replaced. Um, you know, and, and the legal counsel, the attorney for the secretary of state, he's on the phone saying, Mr. President, that's just that's just not true. At one point in time, Trump says, you should want to have an accurate election, and you're a Republican, to which the guy says, Mr. President, we, we believe that we have an accurate election. And the president says, no, 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 you don't. You don't have it. You don't have it. Not even close. You guys are off by hundreds of thousands of votes. You know why what they did, and you're not reporting it. You know that's a criminal. That's a criminal offense, and you know you can't let that happen. That's a big risk to you and to your lawyer. That's a big risk. 
All right, and the, the Secretary of State is having none of this. But it, if you listen to the tape, it's very, very clear that the Trump administration, the Trump campaign, is unhappy with this. And he does say, I want you to find enough votes so it looks like I won. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I, I've listened to large segments of the call, not not the whole call. There are some people who are suggesting that even at this late stage, this should be an impeachable offense so you could guarantee that President Trump never is allowed to run again. There are other people that are saying that this is a crime. He's trying to commit fraud. He deserves to be charged. And I guess there's some people are saying, oh, this is no big deal. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I Look, the, the, the Trump administration is going to wind down in a little bit over two weeks. So the, the idea of going through an impeachment procedure over this strikes me as silly. Number two, the call, I don't think it kind of, for people who think, oh, this is going to be a criminal enterprise and this is a basis for this. No, I, I think you're stretching for that. Three, what was Trump thinking? And, and what were the people that were on the call thinking in this particular case to call up at this stage the Georgia Secretary of State and to try to act like you're the the godfather and demand that he quote unquote find 11,700 and however many votes to me it's almost again this delusional thing that is very Nixonian at the end our number 855-616-1620 that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line to make a call like this and to say the things that apparently President Trump said to me is breathtakingly stupid it's by the way one of the reasons the stock market is in the tank today the Dow down well it was down over 600 it's now down 481 the Nasdaq down 205 because smart money was that the Republicans were going to win one or maybe both of those seats in the special election tomorrow in Georgia but the concern is with this latest stunt by the president that it might turn some more Republicans off, keep them home so they don't vote and the two Democrats win, which would be just what Joe Biden wants. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do I think it's impeachable? Eh. Do I think it's criminal? No. Do I think it is one of the most staggeringly stupid things that I've seen the president do? And there's a list of staggeringly stupid things he's done. I'd put it up there. What do you make of the call? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The theme of today's program is is just bizarre stuff. The story out of 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 vaccine tampering in in Aurora Grafton is just bizarre to me. The fact that the president over the weekend decides to get a bunch of his lawyers and make this sort of threatening phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State demanding that you, you find me 11,780 votes and you know admit that you're wrong you know and just say that you've recalculated it's just it is bizarre and it's I, I think it's a reflection about how out of touch the president has become in his unwillingness to accept the fact that he lost the election and keep in mind he, he's talking to lifetime republicans here so it's who are just simply saying mr president we have to follow the law 855-616-1620 let's start with mike and butler mike you're on wtmj hi thanks for taking my call um yeah i just think it uh 
puts him in such a bad light. I mean, yeah. I mean, is, is he legal? I I don't know. I don't care because I just think it's, I, and I, I'm sorry for using this word, but I think it just makes him a real buffoon. No, you, you can know, use the word. Yeah, it, it, well, it does. I mean, it, it's, it, it smacks of desperation. It smacks of flop sweat. I mean, you're, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's being a bully. I mean, this idea that you're going to call and demand that the Secretary of State, who's on record and who's also saying, hey, look, I follow the law. You know, you've raised all these things. I'm sorry, Mr. President. The stuff you're saying doesn't comport with reality. You know, President Trump saying, well, there's all these dead, there are hundreds of thousands of dead people that vote. And the guy saying, well, we've investigated. We found there were two. You know, okay, you, you, you've got two. You don't have thousands and thousands, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, just one quick round. Um, and it was interesting because even people in his own party, and I, I'm speaking to Paul Ryan, he had an article this morning right. in the journal. Just, it's like, you know. Yeah. It, it, it is. No, thanks for no. See, I, you're, you know, it's. I mean, look. Here's here's the thing. I and okay. The I understand that there are some people who who don't want to accept the the election results. Okay, that's I I get it. That that's fine. But the fat lady has sung when it comes to that. That's just the reality. And I also understand that there's a lot of people who continue to be hacked off because President Trump. He, he he was never viewed as legitimate, and you had the whole Russian collusion stuff and all that type of thing. But that doesn't justify th- this departure from reality, and it doesn't, in my opinion, justify the President of the United States trying to call up an elected official and demand that that elected official find me 11,780 votes. And I guess it's amazing to me, what what could you have been thinking? Can Can you see... President Bush making that phone call. Can you see Barack Obama making that phone call? Can you see Ronald Reagan making that phone call? Of course not. Bill Clinton? Well, I'll leave that out there. Let's talk to Nancy in Atlanta. Nancy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Nancy. I was just calling to say that I. you almost have to feel sorry for him. He's just pathetic. He's just yeah. frantically trying to do anything that he doesn't have to leave. Yeah, and I guess I don't understand the end game. I mean, isn't there anybody around him that is, is able to convince him that Mr. Trump, Mr. President, that this this is all over? And you know, you if if you care about your legacy and if you care about you know your your future and if you want a political comeback four years from now or whatever, that this is not the way to signify this with with phone calls like this. I I guess there's just nobody that can control him at all, suggesting that this isn't a good thing. Yeah, mentally, he doesn't seem to be listening to anybody. He just goes his merry way. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I mean, and again, if if, see, if I were, and and one of the controversies right now is, is like I say, there's an attorney, a very prominent local attorney who works for the largest law firm in the state of Wisconsin, and she was apparently one of the people on the call, and um, uh, that's causing... You know, that that's causing an issue because the law firm says that they're concerned by her role in the call because, you know, she was one of the ones that was pushing and asking questions and things like this. You know, if nothing else, I and, and by the way, and I understand some some people are trying to say, well, I, I fault the Georgia secretary of state for making this public. You know, why did he do it? Well, I don't know if he did it or some, but there were lots of people on the call. And I guess my assumption has always been, and, and this is good advice for elected officials, when you're having conversations, particularly with other elected officials and there's people in the room, you, you should assume that it's being recorded. 
I mean, I, I, you know, we had a controversy involving the state legislators and Governor Evers' office. My, my point has always been, when you have these conversations, you, you should just assume that you are, in fact, being recorded. And you, you should never say things on them that you're going to be embarrassed to have appear, you know, on, on the Jeff Wagner show on WTMJ or, you know, appear in the newspaper or appear on TV. It, it's just so I don't fault people for making this public because I think it's it's a mirror into some of the stuff that, that is out there and some of the uh, theories that are out there and how hard it is to convince anybody that, that this election was, in fact, not stolen. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Um, about an, uh, a month ago, the PBS had a documentary on Trump. And, and first off, let me say that uh, I'm conservative, voted for Trump both times, so I'm not uh, out to uh, cut him off at the knees. But um, Nevertheless, this documentary on PBS on Frontline was yeah, so it, yeah. so instructive, and it, it was who who were the mentors of Trump, and there was Fred Trump, his father, it was Norman Vincent Peale, and it was Roy Cohn, and that's quite a mix. Yeah, especially um, Roy Cohn. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and if people want to understand Trump, they should really learn more about Roy Cohn because I, I think he influenced him the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, Roy Cohn was uh, somebody who was uh, despicable, um, was uh, hypocritical, and uh, was also uh, never, ever, ever, ever surrender or give up. Yeah. So if you want to know why he's doing these bizarre things, look at people that surrounded him in his earlier years, and especially Roy Cohn. Well, you know, and thanks. You know, as we were talking earlier on the program, you know, rem- remember back, re- remember back to the Iowa caucuses in 2016. Ted Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses. And, and the default position of then-candidate Trump was he stole it. it, it this, this was stolen. I couldn't possibly lose. Now, to your point about Roy Cohn, for people, as a matter of fact, there's, there's a couple other excellent documentaries that are out there uh, about Roy Cohn that have been making their rounds on a number of the, the, the showtimes and the things of the world. Roy Cohn was the, the counsel for Joe McCarthy, you know, back in the day, and then became a infamous sort of New York fixer who was, you know, instrumental in, in some of the, the early dealings that, that President Trump had. He was he was President Trump. He was Donald Trump's go to lawyer. And and Cohn was a, a bully. And the strategy was just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and never admit that you're wrong and and just try to wear down the other side. And Cohn's philosophy was truth doesn't make any difference, doesn't matter, all these different types of things. And ultimately, Donald Trump cut Cohn loose because well, Roy Cohn got sick with AIDS at the end, and even though he never acknowledged it was AIDS, it was, it was AIDS. And I, I think Trump started to back away once you know Cohn started hit, once his star started falling. But yeah, it, it's the Roy Cohn environment, and it's this approach of just aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. But I, I think that call, while I don't think it's impeachable and I don't think it's criminal, it certainly was nothing to be proud of. And I think we should have the right to expect more from our elected officials. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Stick around.